We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Awesome. So as we go into the testimonies, I, I wanted to share a little bit to... It's a, a little bit of a... Th- a a word, maybe a theme, I'm not even sure if this ties together through the testimonies because I don't even know all of the testimonies at the moment, but I have a feeling that this is something that will link them. And it's a word I've been reflecting on over the last few months, and it's, it's rest. What, is, what does rest really mean when we talk about uh, a Christian rest? And we've got the, the start, the first point of rest that we see is in Genesis 1 and 2, when we have God resting in creation and something I've always found fascinating or maybe not always because it was pointed out to me but what I found fascinating in Genesis 2 is that in day 7 there's no day or night all the other days have a day and a night and morning and evening the sixth day and then the seventh day God rests but there's no morning and no evening and some commentators suggest that that means we're still in the seventh day we're still in a day where God is resting giving purpose to his creation and so that's just an amazing thing for rest it says he work, he stops his work of of creation but he's giving purpose and function to the whole of now this time now we are in a seventh day and that theme then threads all the way through the bible from genesis to revelation that just shows this idea of sabbath which literally just means to stop to rest and the idea is to stop from work but find ultimately our rest in God, our purpose in him. And that's when we find our ultimate identity is when we rest in him. And so we see Jesus comes along in Luke 4 and he quotes from Isaiah 61. And Isaiah 61 is about the Lord's Jubilee. And the Jubilee is about the seventh 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 cycle of seven years to do with seven which is about rest and completion and so Jesus quotes that he is the fulfillment of the jubilee year he says this scripture has been fulfilled today and what is the jubilee well jubilee in Isaiah 61 says it brings healing to the brokenhearted liberty to captives freedom to prisoners comfort to those who mourn beauty instead of ashes festive oil instead of mourning hope instead of despair this is good news Jesus is good news. He is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And we find our rest when we rest in him. And so it's not just about stopping everything and putting your feet up and watching Netflix, if that's how you relax like I often do. But this rest comes from acknowledging that Jesus is our purpose and Jesus is our rest. And so this morning we're going to hear testimonies of how people are walking with Jesus, how Jesus has walked with them through some potentially fairly emotional, fairly difficult, fairly uh, interesting times as well. And so I just pray for them as they come up. As they speak, it is kind of nerve-wracking if you don't do public speaking often. And so pray that they will have peace, that they will share clearly, but also smile. (laughs) And uh, if you you tend to close your eyes while you're listening, maybe today you can have them open. uh, And it just gives us a little bit of a boost uh, when you're at the front to know that people are with you. And so I'm going to ask Jean to start us off. 
Thank you for the warm welcome. Um, my name is Jean and I, I'm married to Stuart and together um, we lead the pastoral care team in the church. We work with the elders and the leaders of the other ministry to try um, and ensure that everyone has the right pastoral care that they need when they need it. So, many of you will know that I am deaf and in fact I've been deaf since birth. It's something I accepted and lived with and I thought that my hearing aid did a good enough job at helping me to hear. After all, I didn't know any different, because I've worn hearing aids since I was two and a half. But then in February 2017, three years ago, I was shocked to be told for the first time in my life that I was eligible for a cochlear implant, or eligible to be referred for a cochlear implant, and that it would be likely to give me better quality hearing. I spent a year praying about it. I also prayed and asked others to pray for healing. Wouldn't it be great if I could have stood up here in January 2018 and shared, um, shared my testimony of a miraculous healing of my lifelong deafness? But God didn't answer those prayers in the way I wanted. But that's not the end of my story. If you'll bear with me, I'll take a little detour and give you a bit of background. A few years ago, I read a book by Andrew Wilson called The Life You Never Expected. In it, he says that God always answered our prayers for healing, but he explains that there are four different ways that this might happen. There might be a miraculous healing, whether instantaneous or gradually over a period of time. There might be healing through the skills of medical staff who have received their abilities and gifts from God. Thirdly, the body, so intricately and amazingly designed by God, is able to heal itself from many injuries. And finally, there is the healing and the life to come when we're in heaven with Jesus. So with that in mind, I'm here to say that God does answer prayer in his own perfect timing. It took just over two years, two years but finally in March 2019, I had the cochlear implant operation. And six weeks later, in May 2019, the cochlear implant was switched on for the first time. God provided healing through the medical staff, giving them the scientific knowledge and ability to invent the cochlear implant and the skills to surgically implant it in my body, which is pretty amazing if you think about that. God provided healing for my own body, which recovered from the trauma of the operation without infection and with minimal scarring. And God has been at work in my brain's incredible ability to adjust to hearing a whole new way. Eight months ago, when the cochlear implant was first switched on, all I could hear were beeps, thumps, and a lot of skull-shaking vibrations. Today, I'm now hearing better than I ever have before. And each month, I'm continuing to make progress, to gain a bit more clarity, to hear a new sound that I've never, ever heard before, or to find it just that bit easier to identify the sounds and recognise the sounds that I am hearing. Yes, it's been a journey. It was tough at times, lots of times, actually. But that all seemed to disappear into nothing when I realised what I've gained. I'm enormously thankful for the medical skills of the different NHS staff who have cared for me over the last 10 months. I'm grateful for the patience and care of my family and friends, and my husband in particular. I'm so blessed by the two weeks of meals provided by you guys. In that time, the pastoral care tables were turned and it was my turn to receive pastoral care from the church. And I am in awe of God who created this world and inspired these medical interventions and provided for me over the last year. He ensured the success of the operation. He protected me from infection. He sustained me through the tough times of learning to hear a whole new way. And he's given me hearing beyond what I could ever have dreamed. I'm still deaf, 
I still need to lip read a lot. I don't have perfect hearing, but I can be thankful for God who answered my prayers and gave me better hearing now. I have been so grateful to those of you who here who have noticed the difference in my hearing and have taken the time to share that with me and encourage me. And so I'll just finish with a reminder of the fourth and final type of healing that Andrew Wilson wrote about. I have the certain hope that one day in heaven I will hear perfectly. And that gives me great comfort and peace through the times when it's tough being deaf in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Uh, we might hear a little bit more about that uh, book that she recommended, but The Life You Never Expected has been a, a personal favourite of our own. Um, as Tina starts making her way up, um, just an amazing testimony of God's goodness and, and the hope that we have in a new creation. Um, please welcome my lovely wife, Tina. What an introduction. Hello. Um, I have got a bit of a cold, so bear with me if I do start coughing. Um, so most of you know me, but my name is Tina. Thank you for that. <laughs> Doesn't need to be quite that low. <laughs> um, I'm married to Phil, um, and we have a beautiful daughter called Rosalie, um, who turns four in two weeks' time. Um, I'd like to take some time just to briefly share with you um, a few examples of how we've seen God's provision um, over the last year or two and really hope that it will be encouragement um, to all of you in whatever situation you're in. Um, so just a bit of background really. So Rosalie was diagnosed with Rett syndrome shortly after her second birthday, which was uh, February 2018. Um, Rett syndrome is a neurological condition, um, it affects many different areas of development, um, happens spontaneously, so no reason why it happened, um, but it did. It affects one in 10,000 girls, which so it's pretty rare. Um, for Rosalie, it means that she's unable to talk, um, she's unable to walk, and she can only sort of use her hands for like limited things. Um, it means that she'll need 24-7 care um, for the rest of her life. Um, she also has difficulties with eating, drinking, um, sort of gastro difficulties, um, and she also has epilepsy, um, which at the moment is controlled, which is good. <laughs> um, despite these challenges, Rosalie is learning to communicate she can understand far, far more than she can express. If you talk to her, she probably will understand what you're saying to her, even though she can't maybe show that she understands. She is incredibly patient, far more than me. <laughs> um, she's full of joy and she loves to giggle, she loves to laugh, um, and she is very, very brave. I'm very proud of her. <laughs> um, Rosalie's diagnosis left us in a state of shock and confusion. Nobody likes to hear that their daughter isn't going to learn to walk and talk and isn't going to catch up with all the other children, all their peers. Um, we tried to piece together the information we've been given and try and make sense of what this meant for Rosalie, what it meant for us, for our lives, for our family, for our future. 
um, on the week of her diagnosis, we went to the Commission Elders and Wives Weekend. Um, still in a state of shock. Um, to our surprise, we were sat next to the deputy head of the special nursery and school that Rosalie would begin attending later that year. It meant we were able to talk to someone who knew what Rett syndrome was. Um, and for us, it felt like God was reminding us that he was with us. He knew what we were going through. Um, so that was amazing, really. Um, Phil took the decision to leave teaching in July 2018. One major reason for this was just the difficulty of managing work and family life with all the medical appointments, the decisions, and just not having time to kind of process what was happening, um, for us to communicate what was going on. He put his notice into his teaching job in March 2018, very bravely with no job to go to. Uh, he felt that that was what he needed to do. Um, three days later, he found the advert for Friends International, where he currently now works. <laughs> um, the job has been a huge answer to prayer. Um, perfectly suited to Phil's experience, his skills, and something that he very much feels called to do. When he left teaching, he also started tutoring um, to supplement our lowered income. And around that time, we began exploring other ways for Rosalie to communicate, and we came across eye gaze technology. Um, these devices basically allow um, someone to communicate through using their eyes. It has a little camera on the front, um, and they're able to kind of select words by using their eyes. So rather than having to sort of verbally talk, they can talk that way. Um, applying for a device like this through the NHS can be a very difficult and lengthy process with no guarantee of this device at the end of it. Um, I mean, all research seems to suggest that trying to get something like this as early as possible is really beneficial. Um, so we started to look for ways that we could save and try and purchase our own device, but they are very expensive. You're talking sort of upwards of four or five grand for one of these devices. Um, so within a couple of months um, of Phil starting, starting tutoring, he had a conversation about Rosalie with the mum of one of his tutees um, who'd asked him about his family. Um, it soon turned out that she had actually started a charity to support families affected by rare genetic conditions, having been personally affected by a rare genetic condition herself. Um, as a result of this and the conversation, um, she offered to donate a substantial amount towards the cost of this device. Amazing, praise God. Um, we were then able to purchase her a device of her own, which she's now using. She's doing amazingly. Sometimes it's all gobbledygook, but sometimes we really feel like she's able to communicate what she wants to say, and it's really amazing. Um, she can also use it to play and to read books, which has been fantastic. Um, another example of God's provision, which I'm sure you, a lot of you are aware with, has been our house move. Um, Rosalie will be using a wheelchair when she's older because um, she's, she's not going to be able to walk. So as a result, um, anywhere we live needs to be kind of suitable for wheelchair access. Um, unfortunately, where we were living at the time in Aldershot, 
it couldn't be adapted. It was kind of Victorian terrace and it just wasn't going to happen. Um, so we began to look for bungalows um, and other properties that might be suitable, but we were really finding it hard to find somewhere in the right location within our budget, which were both quite restrictive. Um, pleased to say that within a year, not only have we moved to a bungalow in the right location, nearer to Guildford, woo, um, but also one that goes above and beyond what we could have ever dreamed of. Um, we've got a lot of work to do. There's a lot to be done. But um, we're really hopeful that this is going to be, um, you know, a place where we can, people can feel welcome, that we can care for Rosalie, um, you know, and it can just be, um, yeah, it can be somewhere that we can share with others as well. Um, yeah, so that's amazing. <laughs> um, Day-to-day -day life with Rett syndrome can be exhausting, but we know that God is with us and we trust that he knows Rosalie intricately. Even if we don't know what, he want, what she wants, he knows. Um, he knew her before she was born and he will provide for her. Though Rett syndrome has made Rosalie's life difficult and our lives very different to what we have expected we have felt so blessed through the people who have supported us in friendship, prayer and practical support. We have long since felt that Rosalie has a prayer bubble. Despite her condition and the likelihood of infections and complications, she's only spent one night in hospital, which was for a routine surgery. We know that this is because of her prayer bubble. <laughs> and God's protection over her. And we know that no matter what the future holds, God is walking through it with us. Um, I'd just like to finish just by reading Isaiah 43, um, as is a passage that has stayed with us, um, that has encouraged us, um, and I hope it will encourage you too. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. Thank you. <laughs> I do keep calling our house our, our God's house because of all the little miracles that have happened to get us there. Paul and Joanna, if you want to make your way up. Yeah, give them a warm welcome. Hello. Okay, so um, this morning, what we're mainly going to share about, um, as many of you will have known, we've shared about in the last few months, um, we're joining a church planting team uh, this year now, going to the Middle East. Um, so 
We've kind of shared a bit about what that's going to look like, some of the plans, but what we haven't necessarily shared as much is what that's looked like for us. Um, so I kind of want to give you an insight a little bit this morning to what it's felt like, um, some things we've been processing, challenges we've had, um, and things that God's been teaching us through this time, really. So um, for me, one of the biggest things that I battled with and had to surrender really early on um, was my expectations for uh, my career in music. Um, so I work as a musician, and um, for all of my life, it's directed the path of um, a lot that I've done. So uh, I started playing drums when I was eight. All my friends when I was, was young were people I played in bands with. My service at church was in the worship team. Um, all my money, my time, it went on drums. And um, when I was kind of mid-teens, I had various really powerful and significant prophetic words about how God would use um, me in music, about working in music. And to be honest, I kind of went, great, that's what I want to do. That's a good word. Thank you, God. Um, and I'll carry on. And um, so continue, came to Guildford, did my music degree. And then just as I'm getting so, sort of settled into self-employed life, um, we start to sense that God's calling us to go and be part of a, you know, to church plant in the Middle East. And my initial thoughts are, God, why on earth would you ask us to do that? Um, I'm, I've just started to, you know, have consistent income. Um, what work am I going to do? out there. This goes against all my plans and expectations. Um, and it, it really, yeah, that was my, my, my first thought whenever we started to process this, um, was it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, but through this, God slowly began to reveal uh, that in my heart I considered music a greater motivation, purpose, and source of fulfillment in my life than him. Um, I'd, repeat, I'd reached a place where I knew I felt I knew what I felt God was asking us to do, uh, but to acknowledge that was to put aside what I'd always wanted and worked towards and had a choice to follow him or to follow what I thought his plan should be. Um, over Christmas, I was reading um, Tim Keller's book on the book of Jonah called The Prodigal Prophet. And I just want to read a little quote because I think this just sums up um, yeah, what I was feeling. So uh, talking about Jonah, he says he lost something that had replaced God as the main joy, reason and love of his life. He had a relationship with God, but there was something else he valued more. His explosive anger shows that he is willing to disregard his relationship with God if he does not get this thing. When you say, I won't serve you, God, if you don't give me X, then X is your true bottom line, your highest love, your real God, the thing you most trust and rest in. So for me, I felt I had shifted music from a gift that God had given me to serve him uh, to a God that I served. As a result, my striving in music was not to for his glory and purposes, uh, but for my own satisfaction. And I could have had a career in music in the way that I'd always planned, but I would have done so with the wrong motives. Um, and so I still completely believe that God's given me a gift of music to serve him for his sake. Um, but over the last year, he's developed a greater love for him than I've ever had, a willingness to submit to him and a desire to use what he's given me for his glory. He has shown me that he can and should be the greatest joy, delight and motivation for my life and given me a greater freedom to enjoy and pursue my gifts for him in his way. Um, so if anyone remembers when we shared initially about our um, how we came to be going. Um, one key part was a word that Guy Miller gave to us, and it was um, about stop wavering and stop um, sitting on the fence and commit to what we knew God was asking us to do. Um, so for me, that was so powerful because it was almost like the pinnacle of a year of wrestling with this, what it looked like for me to follow and serve God. Um, and, you know, he sort of said, it's God's way or man's way. Um, and so God has really used this situation just to teach me how to follow um, in close relationship and obedience in him um, and to really know satisfaction in him first and foremost.
one thing I love is that we didn't communicate at all about what we were going to share, but actually they've ended up being relatively similar. So, um, So if you'd have said to me this time last year that I'd be stood here talking about how God has called us to go, I probably would have laughed at you. But well, here we are, eight months away from moving to the other side of the world to help plant a church. God can definitely do crazy things. I always saw church planting as something other people did. Those people who are quite clearly leaders, pioneering, courageous, brave, bold people who are, well, not me. (laughs) Since God asked us to go, it's been a journey of ups and downs. Thankfully, so far, by God's grace, mostly ups. But it hasn't been easy. It's been a daily journey of laying down my expectations, assumptions, and in some ways, my hopes of what I thought life was going to look like. Last summer was the first time that we felt like we were really settled since we got married. Happy in our house, we both had jobs that we loved, amazing friends and an incredible church family. We weren't looking to leave. If anything, we were starting to put more roots down, planning on staying. But when God spoke to us about moving, I knew saying yes to him meant all that was going to change. Looking back, it was going to mean denying all the things I'd begun to rely on for my security and my comfort. Whilst none of those things in themselves are bad by any means, they can be dangerous if we begin to rely on them rather than God himself. He gifts us with those things for us to enjoy, but they're not the true source of joy, comfort or security. He is. When we give our lives to Christ, it is a sacrifice. In saying yes to him, we're saying no to the ways of the world. As a teenager, I remember it felt like there were lots of sacrifices. Growing up in a world that's bombarding you with sin, it was a daily choice to say no, no to sin and yes to God. Sometimes it meant sacrificing my friends, reputation, or having a good time for the sake of God. But as I became an adult, I've realized that those sacrifices are less orientated around what others might think of me, and more around the comforts I've built into my life. The more I've journeyed through processing, the more I'm challenged. Am I willing to give up the life I've built for the sake of the gospel? Is God really worthy of it all? And is the life I've built for my is the life I've built for my gain or for his glory. In Revelation 4.11, it says, You're worthy, O Lord, our God, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. (coughs) In saying yes to God, I've had to say no to lots of things. Some sacrifices have been big things, like realising that I'm having to leave friends and family, laying down expectations of what having a family of our own might look like, leaving church family, a culture and language I know, and leaving just as my best friend will be having her baby. Some sacrifices will be smaller things, like not being able to flush the toilet paper or having to buy bottled water, not knowing what things are in the supermarkets that would all be in a different language, and not being able to buy cheddar cheese. In in journeying through the past six months, I've begun to realise that God is so much bigger than I ever realised, so much more faithful than I could have ever dreamt, and so incredibly gracious and loving, even when I turn to him with all my questions, doubts and worries. For me, saying yes to God far outweighs all the no's, because the yes is eternal, but the no's are all momentary. For me, being obedient to God in this season means moving, and that will look very different for each of us. It means processing some big emotions, at times feeling really uncomfortable, 
and daily being challenged about where my priorities really lie. But through the last six months, I've had new revelation of who God is, who I am because of him. And he's taught me, grown me, and is moulding me to become more like him. Obedience to God can be costly, but it gives glory and honour to the one who paid the ultimate cost. And for that, I believe it's always worth it. Amazing. I'm, I'm so excited to see how God is going to use you guys. When we met with Andy and you guys, he, he mentioned that basically the sort of research and development group of uh, churches is actually on the mission field. And so our innovations are really going to come out of what God is doing through a lot of what you guys do out there in, in the sense of what God is doing, how we work closely with him. And already the challenges you're giving us of, of sacrificial faith is just really, really encouraging. So bless you guys. Um, just as you were speaking, I just had the word, it's, it's really well used. I don't know, I just had a feeling that there was someone here who's a bit newer in the faith, maybe just wrestling a little bit that they thought Christianity was meant to be easy. I just want to, um, the word is that Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. You will. And the rest of the sentence is amazing though. Take heart, I have overcome the world. So there's good news in Christianity, but it is also a wrestling match at times. And you can see that in these stories that trying to work out what faith is amongst the amidst the pain, and that's what I was saying at the beginning, that the answer to the problem of pain is the cross. And we see that again and again, that God walks with us in, in that. And even in those sacrifices, even in the little ones, he is walking with us. So thank you guys. Thank you to those who've shared so far. Rihanna, if you would come up. It's just so time that you've also joined us as a member this morning. So encouraged to hear your story. Give her a warm welcome. Hello. Um, I just wanted to share kind of two things God really taught me in 2019. Um, but before I do that, I am quite conscious that probably a lot of people didn't know who I was until half an hour ago or I was brought into membership. So I've already said I'm Rahana. I work with books. Um, I moved to Guildford back in August. Uh, but up until that point, I was living in Southampton. Um, grew up in Southampton, went to the University of Southampton, did a, a degree in film and English, uh, graduated in 2018, and then I spent a year um, doing a ministry and discipleship year with an organisation called UCCF, um, who work with university Christian unions. Um, yeah, and then I'm here. Um, but so my 2019 kind of looked like six months of my 2019 was working in student ministry. Um, and then I was unemployed for four months looking for work. I moved, like I said, moved here in August. And then I started my current job at the start of November. Um, so it was a bit of a weird year, lots of different things, a real kind of sense of a new season. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share these two things that have kind of really been an encouragement and a sustenance to me in the year that's just gone. And I hope will be um, encouraging to you as a church for us, us as a church family as well. Um, so the first thing is just this idea that actually we already know God's will for our lives and that's for us to be holy and like Jesus. Um, everything else is a series of choices and steps of faith. Um, I'm very much someone who likes knowing what's happening next. I'm someone who 
it's desperate for God to tell me, okay, what's the next part? What comes in the next part of the journey? Um, I think back to my first year of university and I just remember my big prayer was God give me clarity. Um, and God doesn't always give us clarity and on what comes next. And he doesn't, or we think things are going to happen. Um, so I, like I studied in Southampton. Southampton was, sec- was my second choice um, of university. And that was a shock to the system, not getting into my f- the grades for my first choice. Um, and it was a case of me going, but God, I thought you were calling me to that. And he didn't. Um, and I had a lot of a lot of kind of situations like that throughout um, throughout uni. Um, so this was kind of this teaching of um, being remembering that we know God's will for our lives, and He's told us that in Scripture. Um, was something I was kind of taught. I was at a training conference um, at this time last year, um, and the person doing the teaching read from one Thessalonians four, which I'm just getting up. Um, So it says this, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are now living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Um, And then it goes on in verse seven, it says, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Um, this was actually really freeing for me at the start of 2019 to kind of remember that um, God wasn't immediately going to tell me what to do next after I finished um, this ministry year. Um, But actually he has told us what he wants and that's for us to be more like Jesus. Um, And he's given us his word to show us how to do that more and more. Um, I mean, yeah, this time last year, I had no idea I was going to end up in Guildford. Um, It was an option. Um, It was one of many options. Um, I w- wasn't one I was necessarily leaning more towards. And even when I did make the decision to move here, um, I didn't feel like God very clearly went, okay, this is what you're going to do. Um, so I made the decision around May. And I remember um, I had a job interview in Southampton that day. And I remember praying beforehand, Lord, if this, if this is, if I get there and this feels really good and I really like this, um, then I'll stay in Southampton. If not, then I'll move. Um, I got to the job interview and I have never felt so ambivalent um, about a job. <laughs> it was just like, okay, God, this hasn't given me any any clarity, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, I kind of just went, do you know what? I have to make a decision and decided to um, take a step of faith and move here, um, not having any job in place and just trusting God to provide. Um, and even though God didn't make it clear to me at the time of making that decision, Um, There was a scene from a movie that just kept playing in my head um, in the weeks following. Um, It was from my favourite movie of 2018, which is an animated Spider-Man film um, called Into the Spider-Verse, which which I would recommend. Um, But in this film, it's basically there's lots of different Spider-Men. And this young guy, he's, he's, he's a teenager, he's just got these powers and he doesn't know what to do with them. And he asks Peter Parker, the Spider-Man we all know and love, um, he asks him, how do you know? How do you know when you're ready to be Spider-Man and put on the mask? And Peter says to him, you don't, it's a leap of faith. That's all it is. Um, and that scene just kept playing in my head um, after I made this decision. And it just really stuck with me as well, actually, as I was reflecting on this. Like, that's what we've been thinking about as we've gone through Joshua as well. This idea that um, we have to make the steps of faith and trust that God's going to be in them. Um, 
we can't just wait for him to to always show us what comes next and to always just do it we have to work with what god's doing um yeah so that's kind of my first thing is just remembering that we know god's will it's for us to be more like him and everything else we can just trust that he's in it um the second thing i've really learned this year um is god is faithful every single day but that faithfulness will look different every single day um so kind of the first time in the year this really kind of clicked for me um was back in may um our ceu were running a load of evangelistic events the monday night we ran a curry night about 150 students showed up about a third of whom weren't believers um so many great conversations and loads of people who'd brought friends and housemates along um, and it was such an encouragement. And then the next day we had a lunchtime talk and about 10 people showed up. Um, but of those 10 people, about two or three stayed back um, afterwards, had really good chats with the speaker. Um, and it really just showed me that actually God was so faithful in both of those events. They were both successful events um, and he showed his goodness to us. And that's just been so relevant as a message to me beyond that. Um, like I said, I moved to Guildford, not really knowing what comes next um not with any being any close to having a job um I applied for about 80 jobs before I got what I'm currently in um and God was still so faithful in those four months that I was I was looking for work and sometimes it was in really simple ways like just the fact I didn't get homesick um this was my first time moving away from home um and yeah, I expected it to be a lot harder than it was. Um, and God was so gracious in how smooth the move was. Um, but also like, yeah, really simple things. Like I had free time. I watched a load of movies and that brought me joy. Um, but God has, yeah, he's just been so faithful. And now like I'm in a job that I'm really enjoying. Got there on the first day, found out my line manager is a Christian. Um, not only that, her husband did the exact same ministry year that I did. Um, so she understood me. She understood what I'd been doing for the last year, um, which funnily enough, a lot of people didn't. Um, and yeah, God has just been so, so faithful. Um, and I think just going into 2020, I'm just remembering that, that he is faithful and it's going to look different every day. Um, and there's been some really hard times and some really good times, um, but his faithfulness hasn't changed. And that's just such a joy as we go forward into a new year. Thanks. Amazing. So what we're going to do, just to reflect on all that God is doing, has done, all the different uh, themes that have come out of this morning, ultimately that wraps up everything is what Rihanna just shared on, on faithfulness. God is faithful through the, the hard times, through the good times, through the little things, through the big things. God is faithful and that might look differently from the day to day. So... James, if you want to come up, we're going to move into a time of communion just to share that because there's also the theme that the church is a major part of God's work in each other's lives. When people go through, when the church members go through tough times, a lot of the answers to prayer have come from the church gathering around, supporting, giving, meeting practical needs, giving two weeks of meals, um, generosity, prayer. There's so much that, uh, to be honest, I don't know how people get by without the church <laughs> when they're going through stuff and, and life is, is hit a hard time. So 
as we share in communion this morning, we're going to reflect on all those things. And it's a time to commune, to, to come together as a family. So it's a time to reflect on what God has done for us. A time to reflect on the cross, on his mercy, on forgiveness, on the joy of all those things that God has done through Christ for us. But it's also a time to come together as a family, to recognize friendships, to recognize each other, to, if we need to, to forgive each other and to spend time sharing in what is called a meal. It is only a bit of bread and a bit of wine, but it's something really special in this time. So as we uh, get the, the wine and the bread, we'll have them in four different places and you can move towards them uh, when they're there. And then in your own time, just or with the person next to you, maybe pray together and then share in the bread and wine together. And just remember, it is a time of remembering Christ's body and Christ's blood shed for us. And we're to do this in remembrance of him. So I'm going to pray as the communion uh, team come down. Holy Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your church, that you have chosen to walk with us. You've chosen to build your church, that the powers of hell will not overcome it, that you have the keys to Hades, that you are going to break the power of death once and for all. You have already broken the power of death, and we have that hope that the the last breath of death will be no more in the end. And we thank you for your cross. We remember what you have done and the reconciliation you've brought through your cross with us and you, but also with each other as your family of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.